This week on the Product Agility Podcast, we find ourselves in Lisbon, Portugal at the Productize 2023 conference, where attendees will get to hear talks from Melissa Perry, Tammy Reese, Leah Theron and Radhika Dutt, to name but four of the amazing speakers. We are here to do our talks in 10, and they're the best way for you to get the inside track and behind the scenes insights on the talks and workshops from the conferences that we partner with. So you don't miss a beat. If you're at the conference, come and find us. We're hard to miss with our podcast t-shirts. If you're not, then just enjoy these talks in 10. And who knows, maybe we'll see you at Productize 24. Today's episode of the Product Agility Podcast comes with a special gift in association with our Haaslides, your go-to engagement tool for fun, engaging and effective learning and workshop experiences. Whether I am teaching the criticality of a clear and compelling product vision or facilitating a product strategy workshop, AHA Slides always makes it a more elevating and effective experience through its polls, quizzes and brainstorming tools. Discover how AHA Slides can elevate both your in-person or remote experiences by visiting AHA Slides and use the code AHAXPROD, which is also in the show notes, for a whopping 50% off of an annual subscription. And we're here, Productize 23. I'm never going to get bored of saying that because it's been an amazing conference. There's been so many awesome people here and so many great talks and workshops. And one of the highlights for me was uh, getting to meet the one and only David Pereira in the flesh, not on the internet. David, welcome. Thank you. Glad to be here. Yeah. It's, I'm, I'm glad you're here too. You were uh, facilitating, leading... Charging forward with a workshop yesterday, my friend, uh, which was uh, succeeding with product discovery, how to boost value and diminish waste. Yeah. How did it go? The workshop went amazing, actually. So it's quite funny because I expected from 15 to 20 people, maybe 25 max. And then I got the list the day before, 52 people signed up. And yesterday, 57 people showed up. And I said, wow, what is going on here? People were quite excited about it. So the workshop went amazing. So a lot of stories, real stories, some failures, and how to do it. So it was pretty cool. Fantastic. 57 people. Did you, because I know this is something that we spoke about briefly when we were in the really traditional uh, Portuguese restaurant, uh, slash 50s diner that we <laughs> ate in the night before. <laughs> yeah. Uh, about the number of people and having to change the approach. Did you tweak it in any way, given the large number of people? Yeah, I did because I had some exercise, for example, separate groups and then merging groups and exchanging and so on. And I said, that's just not going to work with 50 people because if I merge group, I'm going to get with a group of 20 people. It's impossible to have a collaboration on that where you can learn from each other. So I tweaked the exercise you know, being agile, inspecting the depth. So you need to deal with the constraints you have in front of you. So yeah, so I changed the exercise to be more dynamic with groups. So we separated there within six groups and I didn't merge groups at any point in time. Awesome. I, yeah, there's not many conferences I can say I've been to where pretty much every workshop wish that I had been to. Yours is included within that. It's, uh, yeah, I, this product discovery is such an amazingly interesting topic and something which this type of audience at a product conference know a little bit more about than, say, than you would find at an agile conference. Have you delivered this workshop before anywhere else? And conference, no. I have done this workshop as my cohort, but actually it's a workshop of eight hours. 
four <laughs> sessions of two hours. Right. So I had to think a lot to bring it down to three and a half hours here, including the breaks. So that was a bit different. I've done that in person, but still five hours I've done in companies and so on. But in a conference, it's different because people choose to be there. They have many options. There were, I think, five or six workshops yeah. in parallel. So they chose to be there. They wanted to know something. And it was quite interesting. Yeah. So if we, for the sake of the people that weren't there, the hundreds, thousands of people that are listening, if I was to say to you, what was the journey? Like, what was the story you were telling through the workshop? How was that? What was the structure to it? Like, what did you take people through? Yeah. First thing I wanted to give them the goal of the workshop, which was to gain applicable insights you can benefit immediately. So I wanted them to leave the room with something they can do right now. So I told them that. And then I love doing something which I call as clarifying expectations. I want to know what they expected from the workshop. So we had a many meter with a word cloud and then everyone shared, this is what I want to learn, this so on and so on. And then I said, oh, here I can match your expectation. Here, maybe not. I'm not going to deliver on that. Just to make it clear. So the journey then was, let's start with the why product discovery. What happens when you don't do that? And what happens if you do that? So I shared some stories and I shared also how I got in contact with product discovery without knowing that was product discovery. And then we went through how you can apply it, do some exercise, talked about assumptions. And I also told them about something It's a journey. It is not a process. And the cool thing about it is you are the driver. And it means sometimes you go forward, sometimes you take a left turn, left, right turn, or you drive backward. But you should be the driver, not the passenger. Because if you are the passenger, sometimes you don't even know who the driver is or where you are heading to. So that was the the journey we had. And in the end, we wrapped up and I shared with them how I structured product discovery with my teams. I said, this is how I do it and it fits for me and maybe you can try it out. And then I said, regardless where you are, here is where you can start. Because I didn't want to leave them and say, okay, this is a cool, fancy process. I have no way of applying my scenario because everyone is bombarding me with feature roadmaps. Mm-hmm. How do I start with this cool thing of product discovery? So it was about empowering them to act right now. That's interesting, isn't it? Not a big topic we're going to probably go into, but being handed a roadmap based on a preordained strategy isn't what discovery is about. And I think this is where, particularly, and you're known in the agile world as well as the product world, such as myself, it's one of those instances where like roadmaps and product orientation and wanting to be kind of vision-driven, I think as Radhika said this, this morning, doesn't work if you're given asked to make a roadmap against a preordained strategy, which you, where you are just a passenger. You're being told, yeah. figure out you know, what snacks do you want to eat on this journey rather than where are we going with this? When the workshop ended, what did people leave with? That was interesting because at the end of my workshop, I always have the same thing. I want to know what they take away with them. So I asked them. So we do another word cloud. And what is quite interesting is they said about falsification mindset. That was one thing that I approached yeah. quite a lot because you hear much about we need to validate our assumptions. We need to validate our solutions. Yes, and then you go there straight ahead with a confirmation bias yeah. because you need to validate. That was something that they named, that they t- took away and also start with assumptions. That's the critical ones, prioritize. And there was one interesting aspect because someone in the beginning shared that they wanted to have different angles to attack. I said, oh, to attack this. 
it's aggressive, but it's like, let's get it done. Yeah. And then in the end, it appeared again in the word cloud. I have different angles, but tech. So that's what they left with. So knowing the falsification mindset, how to handle assumptions, and having different perspectives. And the falsification mindset, just to, just to clarify, is trying to disprove something rather than trying to prove something? Yeah, what I tell them is you need to search for evidence that just by maybe not building or doing it differently. Mm-hmm. Have you got an example of that from your own experience? Sure. For example, let's say you want to try a solution. You have an idea that in the checkout part, you need to allow the person to change the address. The person is already registered there. And then instead of making a prototype that you assume the person is going to test that, you say, let's make a prototype to fail. And then see if the person is going to ignore that. So it's having, you made an experiment to fail and you see if that's going to really happen. That's one example of that. And another is, instead of asking, how is our solution uh, right? We say, what's going wrong with our solution? And then you ask the customer, what didn't you understand here? So by seeing different questions, different angles on that. Mm. It reminds me of the, the book, The Mom Test. Yeah. It's and, in that direction. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, I like that because yeah, people, generally speaking, people are nice and they don't want to say things that they perceive as being not nice to you. So if you say like, what do you think of this? People, oh, it's really good. Yeah, that's just what I yeah. And they're very generally complimentary. This is the mom test, isn't it? Because your mom always says the nice things to you. And what I'm hearing from what you're saying with the checkout example and that kind of doing a prototype which you believe should fail and asking feedback saying what could be better is that you are making it okay for people to say this doesn't work. You're kind of you're making it clear that's your expectation. So in order for them to be nice, then you'd hope they have to be truthful about something that isn't working for them. Exactly. And connected to these, we approached also the strength of evidence. Because what happens quite often is like you ask people, would you use it? They say, people are nice. They would say, yeah, of course I'm going to use it. And then you go all in and you build it and then you fail. I said, evidence has some strengths. When people say they would use it, it's no more than just one small thing. Yeah. And then you need to scale. So what I say is like the first evidence you want to get is only direction. Does it make sense or not? And then you start going to like a more elaborate experiments. Yeah. Reminds me of the confidence wheel. Yeah. Yeah, actually, so many decisions that people are looking to make, they do it on gut feel or some anecdotal information, but actually there's a whole heap of ways we can get much stronger confidence in our decisions if we kind of just ramp up the type of data we're looking to collect on yeah. a particular, particular topic. Excellent. Now, David, you haven't been uh, speaking at this conference. Have you checked out any of the talks so far this morning? Yes, I, I have checked all of them up to now. Yeah. Did you check out, you, you saw Radhika's talk? Yes, that was the first one. Yeah, yeah. We've got Radhika coming on next. Uh-huh. Have you got a question you'd like me to ask her? Yeah, she, she's quite challenging on the vision, like the radical aspect of that. And the question is like, how can a product person influence on something that is lacking? Because sometimes product managers feel powerless, and I don't think they are powerless. But what would be her advice to get a product manager to have a vision that make sense that they can follow so to say so i got this one here how can a product person influence on something that is missing yeah like a vision for example yeah awesome 
I will ask her the question. David, thank you so much for coming on. And thank you for being so courteous of your time. You've, you know, we hung out a little bit and it's been lovely to get to know you a little bit better. Now, it's a silly question, right? People want to find out more about you. Where can they find out that information? Oh, they can find me on LinkedIn. Just search for David Pereira or my Substack, dpereira.substack.com. Yeah, uh, I recommend David's Substack. Some awesome stuff on there. The free stuff is great. The non-free stuff also very great thank you (laughs) so thank you very much for coming on and thank you for listening we'll be back again very soon with another episode thank you wonderful